On episode 591 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Marjorie Wildcraft and discuss her book, The Grow System, True Health, Wealth, and Happiness Come from the Ground. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 591. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Coach Allen. I'm an NASM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, performance enhancement, and fitness nutrition. A Precision Nutrition Level 1 coach, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA Level 2 online trainer. Each week, I'm joined by our co-host, Coach Rachel. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Do you feel like you're stuck in a cycle of losing and gaining the same weight over and over again? About 12 weeks ago, I started a group through the Shed the Fat Challenge. Maybe you've heard me talk about it, or you've seen something I've written about it, and you decided you can do this on your own. How did that work out for you? Over the past 12 weeks, I've been providing several people over 40 with custom nutrition and fitness guidance. I've been supporting them as they work to find a sustainable way to lose weight and keep it off. And I've held them accountable. The results have been phenomenal. Everybody is losing weight and getting more fit. They're building a sustainable lifestyle that will serve them for the rest of their lives. Michelle decided to return to the workforce, having retired not long ago. She dreaded putting on her work clothes for the interview, but her efforts during the challenge gave her a fantastic surprise. The clothes fit great. Going into the job interview, she was full of confidence and she got the job. Dave has lost over 18 pounds and is performing at his best. He recently completed a 100-mile bike ride with his friends, which was his personal best, and he wasn't wrecked doing it. Angie lost weight, even though her work hours made it impossible to work out. Now that work has settled down, she's in the gym and she's loving it. The Shed the Fat Challenge is not just about losing weight. It's about gaining confidence, improving your health, and feeling great about yourself. With this program, you'll have the tools you need to make it happen. Email me, coach at 40plusfitness.com, and let me know you're interested in the next round of the 12-week Shed the Fat Challenge. I'm starting it up soon, and there are limited slots available. Let's do this together. Email me at coach at 40plusfitness.com. Hey, Raz. Long time no see. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, How's it going, Alan? Yeah, it's going. Again, because I'm taking the trip back to the States and there might be some disruptions of when I can record and when I can't, uh, we've decided to record uh, two of our our sections at the same time. So uh, we were just talking a few minutes ago and now we're here again. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and uh, jump into this episode with Marjorie Wildcraft. Perfect. Our guest today is an expert on sustainable living and the founder and CEO of the Grow Network, the online home for the global network of people dedicated to self-reliance, 
community and protecting the planet through homegrown food. With no further ado, here's Marjorie Wildcraft. Marjorie, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Hi, thanks, Ellen. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, the name of your book is called The Grow System, True Health, Wealth, and Happiness Come from the Ground. Yeah, I actually have a copy. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and what was really interesting in it is, you know, I, I've had other people on and talked about growing our own food and the value, some of the value of doing that. But okay, fine. I, I do a little bit of herbs in my kitchen windowsill and that's, you know, great. I can throw that on my food. Like the step of saying that I'm going to produce a large percentage of what I eat, uh, it kind of it can kind of seem a little overwhelming. But I think your book does a really good job of breaking down that process of how we get there. Yeah, well, there's this prevailing myth. It's almost like a story that kind of like a lot of the other stories that are going around throughout you know the human population that are just not true. Uh, and and one is that you know it's really difficult to grow food or only migrant workers do it or whatever, you know. Uh, I actually had a podcast series with several dozen extremely high level, high level executives with divisions of 2,000 people or uh, high-tech entrepreneurs with 25 and $50 million budgets. And the, and the characteristic was that they all grew some of their own food. And every one of them said that was the most pleasurable part of their day every day. So, uh, you know, it's a myth and that you, you know, or you're going to work really hard and all you're going to get is a tomato. You can actually produce about half your own food very, very, very easily in a very reasonable amount of time. So uh, we'll talk about that some more. Yeah, we absolutely will. Now, one of the interesting things you put here and is you say the five keys to true wealth. And these were interesting to me because I, I don't think people think of farmers as being wealthy. Um, so if I quit, quit my day job and started farming, I don't know how far that would get me, but you, you have good, a great point. Can you talk about the five keys to true wealth? Sure. No, when, when, when I talk about wealth, most people immediately are thinking are stocks and bonds or gold or, you know, financial instruments, you know, the equity in my home. And that's actually one form of wealth, but it's really the least significant form. And the number one, and you're going to appreciate this with the fitness over 40 podcast. Your number one form of wealth is health, your health, right? You know, I mean, if, you know, let's say you've got billions of dollars, but you're tied to a oxygen IV thing and you can't move, like what good is money? So um, health, I would say, is your number one form of, your whole worldview comes through the health of your physical body. So um, if you're sick, no matter what's going on, that overlays all of your experience. But if you're healthy and vibrant and happy, you know, <laughs> you know that's... So that, I would say, is the number one form of wealth. The second form of wealth, and people don't, I think people started to realize this during the COVID experience, and that is your family. Having people that you have been involved with all of your life or all of their life, in the case of your kids, that know you from up and down and when you were married and from when you were divorced and from when you did this and from when you, you know, and then can help you through all those years and remember or piece that together or be there for you in the four o'clock in the morning when something happens, you know, or to share that graduation or that you just got a blue belt in jujitsu or you know, whatever, you know, to share your celebrated wins and your losses. That family, you know, family is a form of wealth. You can't buy that. You can't buy that anywhere, right? 
In fact, that is a big problem for people who are extremely wealthy, is, is finding someone who can genuinely be in their life for them, right? Another form of wealth is, is an extension of your family, and that's your community. So if you have people in your life, your neighbors, like, like one of my favorite stories is about some families that we all really hung out together. We, made, we formed a group, and I was as comfortable in every one of their kitchens as I was in my own. You know, we spent that much time together and did that much stuff together. And uh, one time I got a big laceration on my leg. And I mean, it was just one phone call. And we had people there to watch the kids while my husband got me to the hospital. Or one time I got a trailer full of tomatoes. And I mean, it was only 15 minutes. And I organized a whole group where we had a bunch of us canning those tomatoes up. And everybody went home with two cases of tomato sauce, you know. So just having again and again it's an extension of family in that uh, the birthday parties and the trading of good things you know you've got extra eggs they got extra squash um, taking on challenges of like city hall says this but we're like we want that or you know whatever it is right you know having community uh that you deal with the fourth form of wealth is actually doing meaningful work and this is even regardless of whether you're retired or not that's kind of irrelevant i think all of us are want to work. There's no such thing, I think, if somebody just sits around and does nothing, or I don't think they're going to be alive much longer if that's what they're, <laughs> what they've been reduced to. Doing something really meaningful. You know, I, I, I one time had a, an acquaintance, and uh, he was an elder gentleman, and he went to work for the IRS, and I'm like, Ian, you got to be crazy. Like, what? You know, what are you doing? Because it's a survival job. And I said, there is no ever, never, Never any need to do a survival job. You are totally destroying your own dignity by doing that. I said, that's ridiculous. You should never do a survival job, right? Even if it's a job you feel like you have to do for money, there has to be some, are you helping your coworkers? Is it benefiting the world in some way? And the more you have work that's meaningful, that you feel you're contributing, uh, then the more fun it, the less it is work and the more it is why you get up every day. Uh, and that is a form of wealth. Again, that's something that just can't be bought. Sometimes that takes a lot of soul searching. Sometimes in our midlife, we lose track of one thing that was real important. And then and we're in this free period for a while before we find the next thing that is it. But, but having something that really is mean. And again, I, I really appreciated the, you know, regardless of the COVID experience and what that really was, it was a great wake up call for a lot of people. Like, you know, my accountant, they got really shorthanded. And I said, what's up, Don? And he says, well, you know, some of our team realized they just didn't really want to be accountants. <laughs> God bless them. You know, hopefully they're yeah. doing what it is that they truly want to do. So the fourth form of wealth is doing meaningful work. So we have health, uh, health, your health, your family, your community, doing meaningful work. And then the fifth one is almost an encompassing of all of it. And that's living a life of purpose. And so, yes, we all go through changes and different things. But knowing why you're here and living purposefully, this also starts. In, and, and after 40, we start looking more at legacy. You know, what, what are we leaving behind? What have we done? What have we contributed uh, you know, and that more and more we start to live a life of purpose of what, you know, every day I get up and I'm like, what, what is my purpose today? Or what, in any situation, what can I do here to better this situation? And again, that's not something um, you can't buy any of those things. <laughs> and I will know that growing your own food in a backyard space 
fulfills all the five forms well. First of all, you're going to get healthy growing your own food. And it's not just eating the high quality, high nutrient, vib vibrant foods, but it, the process of growing food, I say, is even more health giving than actually eating it. Family, you know, getting, I, I've interviewed a lot of baby boomers. I said, what's your favorite memory of your grandparents? And it's, it was never, oh, they took me to the skating rink or we saw a movie. It was always something of like, well, I went with grandma and we collected eggs from the chickens. Or one of my own memories of one of my great aunts was she had an apple tree in her yard and we made applesauce. It always involves food, harvesting and preparing, gathering, collecting uh, food, every single one of them. Community, there is this myth of the lone survivor and the whole survival preparedness movement of which <laughs> I happen to be the female leader. Oh, my God. Anyway, guys think they're going to get their guns and head way off in the hills and survive this. And that is a complete disaster. You'll never make it. We need each other and growing food and sharing food. Uh, you know, that's uh, the, the holidays. They always center around food, except for a couple of places where they fast and they're, they're not really holidays. Those people are miserable, <laughs> you know, uh, and meaningful work. I mean, what more meaningful work when I had my kids at home, we were homeschooling and I was growing not all, but a significant amount of food for the family. I'm going to tell you that is some incredibly meaningful work. When you know, when I knew that I was producing food that was going to have my children and my husband have the most vibrant and healthy bodies that they could have, incredibly meaningful work. And, and then the, you know, the purpose. Uh, it's an incredibly purposeful activity. Also, um, I think my father-in-law, Pops, he has a variety of tomatoes. We were in central Texas. Texas is super hot in the summertime. Tomatoes do not grow in the super heat. And Pops had managed to find a variety of porter tomatoes that were very, very heat tolerant that he had actually developed over the years. Now, we won't say they were super tasty, but when it's July and August in Texas and you got any tomato, is better than none. Uh, and, you know, that variety of tomato is something that, you know, I certainly keep the rest of the family keeps. We'll be passing that down for generations and generations and talking about Pops and telling stories about Pops. I mean... That's something you can do in your backyard, and that is a true legacy. Uh, you know, I mean, there's lots of other ways to achieve those five forms of wealth, but growing food is something you can start doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Now you've touched you've touched on a little bit of this, but um, I'd like to dive in a little bit deeper about why growing and raising your own food matters. Yeah. Well, the largest destructive force on this planet is commercial agriculture. Uh, you know, there are dead zones around every coastline of every continent. The Gulf of Mexico is a gigantic dead zone because of the agricultural runoff. Uh, you know, let's not go into all the soil erosion. Let's not go into all the toxicity. You really, we used to say be a perimeter shopper at the grocery store. Now I'm like, just don't even go in the grocery store. There's nothing in there. Over the decades, the nutrition in the food has just been dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Like, for example, my mom, lived to 94. She was born in 1920. Back in 1920, and when her body was being built, there was real food with real nutrition in it. And she kept to the old ways for most of her life, you know, eating whole foods and sourcing the best quality food. That's why she lived in 93, 94. That's why all these centenarians that they've been interviewing, they're lived, they live that long. The kids, the kids born after 2000, the, even the CDC is saying like one third of them are going to have diabetes. Now, wait a minute. 
one third of kids are going to have be have diet. Like what kind of life are these kids are not going to live to 90. They're not going to live to 70. If they live to 50, they're going to be miserable because they're going to have all that stuff that comes with diabetes and blindness and swelling legs. See what I'm saying here? <laughs> like, yeah. You got to be growing. It's like way past time to be growing your own food. If you're interested in your own health, which you should be because that's the number one form of wealth that you have. You yeah. really need to be growing your own food. Yeah. You know, and just another aside, and I don't want to get political here. Uh, it, it's happened for why it's happened. But uh, with inflation, just in the last few years, when my wife and I go back to the States, it's like food is so much more expensive than we, when we left four years ago. And so it's a huge contrast for us. It hasn't been this slow, uh, you know, drip, drip, drip uh, that I know a lot of people are experiencing up there. But just to go back and realize, wait, uh, you know, I, this used to be $25, a grocery store bill, you know, yeah. now it's 50 to buy yeah. the same stuff. And you're like, yeah. holy, you know, moly. But if you've managed the seeds, you've managed the animals, you've managed the things that you need to manage this next round of crop or all it, it doesn't cost you a dime more. It's the same 10 minutes that it was. So you're basically giving yourself a raise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's an investment. <laughs> it's an investment. I was telling somebody like, look, you're like, why do you have, I have these 50 gallon drums full of beans and rice. Why are you doing that? I'm like, because those 50, that those beans and rice, you know, a year ago cost $300 and now they cost $600. It's an investment. <laughs> <laughs> we have a thing called de-dollarization coming along and there will be, uh, the inflation is only going to get exacerbated to the point where, I mean, let's talk about, you know, Weimar Germany is going to happen in the United States and all the fiat currencies around the world. We're in that time frame, and, and I don't, we don't need to go into that in that pod, this podcast here. The other thing, and most people are not watching global crop production because why would we? But global crop production has been down everywhere, and there's not a lot of hope about it coming back around in the foreseeable future. So we have a constraint on supplies happening. And then we also have a financial system that's imploding. I'm here because I love the positive message of, you know, it's healthy and it's fun and it's the most rewarding activity you can do. But uh, there is definitely a uh, survival angle to this. Absolutely. My wife has always said, well, she has a black thumb, uh, you know, can't grow anything. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of actually easy down here in Panama because you, you pretty much plant something and it grows. Um, and, you know, we usually get plenty of rain, so it, it grows fast. But how can someone think about it? You know, like I've got this little backyard. I want to get started. How does someone go about just making those first steps? So I, too, had a, a black thumb. I mean, my first degree is in engineering. Later on, got into business. I wasn't exactly like born in some hippie commune knowing this stuff, right? I learned it all, right? And you can learn it all. I would like to point out, um, people often think about growing food and they immediately think of a garden. And I would like to say that actually animal products, and there are lots of ways for this to do it for the vegans. I don't want to alienate all the vegans, but animal products by far are a lot easier and more prolific in terms of calories and nutrition than gardens. You know, so even a backyard flock of six laying hens is what I recommend people start out with. It's 1,500 eggs a year, which is basically three egg omelets. You have for the entire year, so you have breakfast covered, and then you'll have 33 dozen eggs left over to barter or trade or give away or use in other recipes. And you can get that up and going in just a couple of weeks. So 
it ends up being about 95,000 calories, which I know historically the calorie has been a bad word, but the calorie is about to become the unit of currency. Um, so, uh, but I, let me go also address the, the black thumb thing, but I did want to preface that conversation yeah. with animal products are another great way to produce food. It doesn't always, you don't get outside of the garden box. The, the secret to a green thumb is actually the soil. And I know most of us are used to like, you wipe your feet, get that dirt. I don't want that dirt in my house. <laughs> you know, you it's like, it's just dirt, right? You know, we don't, you know, it's dirt. It's, you know, get it off your clothes. You know, you, we don't normally think about how important soil is. And a really vibrant, healthy soil with a lot of minerals and a lot of life, a lot of uh, microbiotics going on there with either bacteria or fungi in it, it will, the plants will be healthy and strong. Uh, insects and disease, just like for animals, um, are the predators of the plant uh, nations. If you are weak, then you will get sick, right? It's a, it's a fundamental thing. And if your plants are weak, they will get sick or have tendencies to have insect outbreaks. The way that plants get nourished is having adequate sunlight and water, but also soil. The relationship in the soil of their roots with the microorganisms, because, you know, the, the roots of the plant can't, like, break down the rock and get a mineral. The roots of the plants have these relationships with soil microorganisms that break down and get them the minerals that they need. And in return, the plants will make types of carbohydrates that it exudes out of its roots to feed the microorganism. There's a whole lot more going on in there. So my advice is to get the highest quality soil you can, and you'll you'll have much let you, you know, the much your garden will be way more forgiving of your erratic watering schedule. <laughs> It'll be able to hold water better. They'll have way more nutrients and minerals and more life. Your plants will be healthier and stronger. And really having great soil is the secret to a green thumb. And then in the book, you do share some other things about how you can get into composting and, and things like that that are going to help you keep that soil because you can't just keep planting and taking. You've got to put back in. And yeah. so something that, that's one of the other wonderful <laughs> things about this is, is it's also circular and we're used to living linear lives. And when you start growing your own food, you start becoming very much in touch with these circular and relationship, which I think, you know, we're talking about relationships with other species, which is a real broadening of, of your interactions. And, uh, you know, your backyard starts to become a whole ecosystem that you're involved with and participating with and helping. And, and it, that's another thing that makes it so magical and wonderful. Yeah. Well, right. Because, you know, uh, just, just two things that would come out of that. One is if you're composting, you're throwing less away, which means the landfills get less and your food is right there in your backyard. They're not having to truck this stuff in from Mexico and all the fuel and everything that that would take to get the food to you. So, you know, and you don't have to drive down to the grocery store to get it either. It's like literally walk out there, clip off your greens. It's going to keep growing. Pick some tomatoes, some cucumbers, and make yourself a really great salad. You'll get it at the peak of freshness and the peak of nutritional content and the peak of flavor. By the way, if I could dovetail one second uh, for those that go, oh, I got a homeowner's that I can or the rules or whatever. So the city of Austin is a great example. When I moved there 25 years ago. Having chickens in your yard, you know, people are like, you've just lowered the property values. You know, it's like Bubbaville. You can't have chickens, you know, like hated it. And there was a, a group, actually a gentleman named Selwyn Pollitt, really 
said, hey, wait a minute, these things are great. Fast forward, you know, 15, 20 years, the Austin takes stuff, they go crazy. And they now have a tour called the Funky Chicken Coop Tour because people build all these crazy chicken coops and they go nuts with it. But the city of Austin also regularly has classes on how to have a backyard flock of chickens and they will subsidize you buying a chicken coop. And you might say, why would the city do that? And it's a very practical reason is they found out that people who had chickens had like 34% less waste that they were putting into the landfill. And they did a big cost benefit analysis and they found out that if they had everybody in the city owning chickens, they would have this way less, you know, it, it made more sense to subsidize the chickens in the city than it did to, to keep trying to fill up the, the landfill. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we're, we're part of this ecosystem. We just get to choose a little bit about how we approach it. Now, you mentioned earlier that it was in our best interest, if we're looking at doing this for food, is that we're going to get a lot more bang for the buck uh, with animals. And in the book, you got specific on the laying hens, the chickens, and how to go about that. And you also talked about rabbits. Because again, I think of a farm or food, I'm thinking a cow and a pig and a, you know, got to live by a river so I can fish. And, but let's talk about chickens and rabbits. Yeah, I want to live there too. But you know, the (laughs) truth is, is most of us don't live there where we can have a pig and a cow and go fishing by the river. So yeah, the book is really designed for, you know, like the average American with the resources they have. And I have, by the way, I visited Cuba to interview a bunch of the people that went through their, uh, the government calls it the special period, actually economic collapse. And they raised pigs in their backyard. I was one woman who's telling me she raised a pig in a bathroom. Like, oh my God, the plumbing didn't work anymore. So why not? But yeah, you don't really want to do that. That's just, you know, an extreme case. Rabbits are great. There's a distinction between an herbivore and an omnivore. People are like, why don't you raise chickens for me? And actually, we, our family did that for years. We'd get 100 baby chicks, and we'd raise them up as a three-month project, you know, feed them, take care of them, and then the whole family, you know, over a couple of weekends, we'd process them all, and then we had organic free-range chicken in the freezer all year. Wonderful project, but it requires a lot of food. Chickens are omnivores, and basically, they like to eat what you like to eat right? Grains and vegetables and fruits and, you know, they're omnivores. They will eat some greens and things too. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm not a big fan of mice, rats, and, um, and, and insects that they'll eat, but they are going to eat some meat. <laughs> yeah. They, they will eat that too. But rabbits are pure herbivores and basically, and they're easier to feed. I'm coming from a survival and preparedness background. And, and, you know, when the grocery stores close, the feed stores are going to close too, right? You're not going to be able to buy animal feed. Rabbit, you know, rabbits, what you can grass and uh, landscape trimmings. And in the northern climates, you know, bark in the wintertime. So you can much more easily and sustainably feed rabbits. You can basically take a lot of greens and a lot of forage that you can't eat, and the rabbits will turn that into protein and fat for you. They also, um, they breed like uh, rabbits. Like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a lot of them, right? Yeah. You, can, you can produce a lot of them in a small space. Yeah. And, you know, I, I learned so much in this book. Like, I didn't know you could eat acorns. And I was like, holy crap. You know, I, I can't remember how many times I was, it was just so many acorns. Uh, I lived in a house in Massachusetts in the trees. And it was such a pain to rake up the acorns, rake up all the leaves. You know, leaves were a little easier because the rake works, but the acorns were the ones you just there. Rake, 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 rake. 
if I'd known I could eat those things, man, <laughs> save me a lot of time. They're really good, and they're not that hard to process. And they're oh my goodness, you know that Aunt Jemima pancake stuff is complete awfulness when you eat an acorn meal pancakes. Oh my god, it's so delicious! You know, real food. Yeah, there's places in Austin. The homeowner, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a funny story. So she had this big live oak tree in her front yard, and she had this concrete sloping driveway and it was perfect because all of those acorns would hit, hit that driveway and then roll down like to the intersection where the edge where the street was and i was like oh my god let me just see all you had to do is like shove it in a bag you didn't even have to rake it up you know and and uh, i was out jogging one morning i was actually in austin on a on a business trip at some marketing conference or something early in the morning out for a run and saw these acorns and i had a bag and i'm like and the woman who was the homeowner comes out on her porch and she's looking at me and she's got her hands on her hips. And I thought, Oh no, she, she's going to be mad because I'm taking her acorns, you know? And I said, Oh, hi. And you know, and I'm trying to, and she goes, you want those things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She says, take them all. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So great, you know. <laughs> and you know, but it just goes to the fact that w how much we've lost touch of food, you know, of what food is and where we can get food and and how we can grow our own and raise our own. So that's something I really enjoyed about this book uh, and the things that I was able to learn uh, just with this little introduction. Marjorie, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Yeah, well, of course, I'm going to tell you to grow your own food because that leads you to all the five forms of wealth. And actually, pretty soon, growing your own food is going to make you money, too. <laughs> growing your own food is like printing your own money. You know, I also really, really enjoy being physically fit and active. And then I think for me, the other most important thing for me is just to always be following my heart. You know, um, if it's time to stop doing something, I'll know. And then I, and I honor that, even though it kind of looks kind of crazy, or if it's time to start something, you know, just following your heart and really trusting there's a lot of wisdom. there. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, the book goes into a lot of detail, but it's kind of one of those things where the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I you know, really, I'm not even an expert. <laughs> right. And so, but you've put together a webinar called you can grow food. And what I did was I went ahead and just set up a little link for that. So you can go to 40 plus fitnesspodcast.com forward slash grow. And I'll have a link to that webinar because I think that's a really, really good first step for folks to get out there. Can you tell us a little bit about what we would learn on that webinar? Yeah. So I'll go into a very simple three-part system that will show you how you can grow half of your own food in the size of three parking spots. Like, oh, you can do this. And it really, I'll show you that the calories it generates, what it looks like, what those meals look like. And the time is, is really less than an hour a day. I'd say about a half an hour a day. So this is something you can easily integrate into your life. You'll come with a plan for getting those three going, which will be getting you producing half of your caloric need. And you'll have a plan of how to get started today, regardless of where you live. And then what are the next steps to take? And once you implement those first three, which are the simplest and easiest to go for anybody, then the whole world opens up to you. And we talk about all other ways to grow food or produce food um, and, you know, just basically go through those introductions, answer a lot of really great questions people have about uh, growing food. And um, it's just a very empowering 
class. And, and I also, again, you know, I do have that whole survival and preparedness background. So I always have this pitch toward you might be in a grid down situation. And then, you know, a lot of people, I, I really appreciate this audience is probably better than most, but a lot of this is also targeted for people who um, maybe they're overweight or out of shape or older, which makes the rest of us is <laughs> like, oh, great, that's easy. <laughs> so they'll come away with a whole plan of action, what to get started with today and empowered on how to grow half of their own food. Awesome. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash grow and find that webinar. And it's a free webinar, right? Yes, it's a free webinar. Awesome. Marjorie, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Well, thank you, Alan. I really appreciate you. And we'll, we'll come on some other time and a lot of other topics fun to talk about. There are a lot of other topics. <laughs> thank you. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. That was a really fun discussion. Um, I would just start off with health as the first form of wealth. Even when she said it, it caught me by surprise, even though it's something that I think about all the time is how important our health is. You know, we could have all the money in our retirement fund or all the money in the bank account in the world, but if we're not healthy, there's no way to enjoy it. Well, even even being on that, I mean, you know, if you're spending money on curative health care for chronic mm-hmm. diseases, mm-hmm. so that's high blood pressure, that's high cholesterol, that's uh, heart, that's blood sugar, that's mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Every time you write that check, every time you pull out that credit card to pay a copay, every time the insurance mm-hmm. comes out of your paycheck, that is an indication of your investment or payments that you're making to keep yourself alive. And if you don't take care of yourself, you'll be on more medications than you would yeah. have otherwise. If you're not doing the right health care things, health style, lifestyle things, you'll be spending mm-hmm. more money for health care. I think I read that a person with diabetes spends mm-hmm. $22,000 more per year on health care than someone who doesn't have diabetes. Wow. Okay. That's a so lot. It is a lot. And, and maybe <laughs> you don't financially see it coming out of your pocketbook because you have a good insurance program or something like that. But mm-hmm. invariably, the money's coming from somewhere. Yeah. And it's going to be coming from us directly or as a pool, but it's still coming out. And if you notice that your premiums go up every year, maybe your employer takes on a big chunk of that. That's great. But Mm -hmm. that they still see that as a chunk of your compensation. And so rather than them being able to write you a bigger raise, they're now paying it out in healthcare costs. And so you're getting Mm -hmm. less of a raise. If you're missing a lot of work because you're sick, Mm -hmm. I was a hiring manager and I can tell you the person that shows up every day I mm-hmm. like her. I like him. Okay. <laughs> They're going to get the promotions first. They're going to get the raises first. And you can say, well, that's not fair. I was out sick. I shouldn't be penalized. It's not fair, but it is what it is. You're not there. You're not contributing at that point. And it's just mm-hmm. unfortunate, but that's what it is. And so when you start looking at what you could make, what you could do, or what you are spending, your health and lifestyle, they actually are part of that formula. And, uh, mm-hmm. You want to be healthy when you're older. You don't want to be sickly. You don't want to be put into a home earlier than you need to. Right. So the things you do to take care of yourself from a fitness and a health perspective are really, really important. Mm -hmm. And so what Marjorie is talking about is if you're eating good quality food Mm -hmm. and you know it's good quality food because you raise those chickens, you raise Mm -hmm. those rabbits. 
And you Mm -hmm. were the one who got the soil together and planted those plants and kept them and fed them and did what was necessary. You know, the quality of what you're eating is good and so much fresher and better than what you would ever get from any store or even a co-op. And so it's just this opportunity for you to have complete control over Mm -hmm. what you eat, what you and your family eat. And granted, she said 50% uh, was a good steady goal for sustainability, but she's talking about someone who just has a backyard. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. someone who has acres because you definitely feed your whole family practically with acres and maybe others, but just in your backyard, because the chickens will take up about a parking space. The rabbits Mm -hmm. will take up about a parking space overall. And then the plants are just the space that you choose to plant. And the way she looks at it is she's doing planters that are, you know, maybe eight feet long and four feet wide, which allows her to, you know, easily manage them. They're raised beds. And so you can plant as many of those as you want. She recommends one to start and then the second one. Oh, yeah. And at that point, with just two of these planters and the chickens and and the rabbits, you could be growing half of your own food. That would be so awesome. Now that we're back in Michigan, where we've been for about four years, we've been trying to work on our own gardens here. And I'll tell you, I have a black thumb. I just kill anything I touch. My husband and my daughter, they're the ones with the green thumbs. They're the one that makes it all work. But but when we have our own garden, you know, we plant the foods that we want to eat. So we'll have tons of tomatoes and um, we'll have lots of onions. My daughter's experimenting with different lettuces right now. And sometimes it's a process. We also have rabbits and groundhogs and deer that like to eat our food before yeah. we get it. But, you know, we have to learn. We're learning how to adapt. And I'll tell you what, you know, when you raise your own tomatoes, there's nothing that tastes better than having your own tomatoes. And it's that's probably one of the easiest things to grow too. And then if you have a bumper crop, you can can them and use them in the winter for chilies or soups or whatever else. It's just a wonderful um, thing to do. And not not to mention the chance to be outside during the best time of year. So it's a wonderful thing to do. And that's the other part of it. She's like, you're going to spend more time outside, uh, but Mm -hmm. again, not a huge investment of time. I mean, she's literally talking about 10 minutes for your garden. Once you get it going, you're, mm-hmm. you're out there for 10 minutes tending to it per day. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the chickens, kind of the same thing. You're out there sure. checking their food, checking their water, just making it, picking up the eggs, and then you're out. With the rabbits, it's again, just checking their food, checking their water, making sure they're taken care of, sometimes rotating them around the yard so they're getting, you know, different um, different parts of the yard, you know, rotating that around. Um, and then she did the raised beds as, mm-hmm. as a way to help eliminate some of the rabbits and things getting mm-hmm. into your garden and cross-contaminating your soil. Because if mm-hmm. one of your neighbors has been uh, using pesticides and herbicides and and fertilizers and stuff on their yard, that runoff could be in your mm-hmm. yard uh, sure. over years and years and years. You don't necessarily want to use that for your food. So she encourages you to buy soil, do the raised beds, and then you have mm-hmm. complete control over the environment that your plants grow in. And she agrees to so start small. Uh, yeah. Her her webinar is going to be a great way for you to get a good exposure to what she's talking about. Uh, the book's great too, uh, but mm-hmm. the webinar I think is going to be where it really will make a lot more sense and she'll be able to answer all your questions. So if you go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash grow, that's going to put you into that webinar uh, and cool. you'll be able to go through that and, and watch that that webinar. Uh, it's it's going to be really cool. And 
uh, you know, a lot of value there. So even if you think, oh, maybe I want to grow a few things, I'm not necessarily into the the rabbits and having to kill them and eat them. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, you know, maybe chickens are okay. Uh, but, you know, she says, you don't have to have a rooster to lay eggs. Just so, you know, uh, so it's not like you're going to be disturbing your neighbors with this rooster every, or yourself with this rooster every morning. <laughs> you don't have to yes. have the rooster. Uh, so she talks about that as getting, getting your laying hens, get how you'd organize them, how you'd set up. She puts all that together with the resources. Cool. But I think the webinar is going to be just a really good, concise way for you to get a really good idea of how her growth system works because it mm-hmm. it is a full ecosystem. So it's all encompassing if you're doing all four of these things basically plus foraging mm-hmm. and maybe hunting you set yourself up to basically be getting almost all of your own food at some point and that's that's kind of cool that would be awesome i love it might have to check out that webinar myself again you can go to 40 plus fitness podcast.com forward slash grow uh to sign up for that webinar and learn cool. a lot more about marjorie wildcraft and then her book which is called um, The Grow System. Yeah, true health, wealth, and happiness come from the ground. Um, I love it. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, Raz, I will talk to you next week. Take care. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we bring back Katie Bowman and discuss her book, Rethink Your Position, Reshape Your Exercise, Yoga, and Everyday Movement One Part at a Time. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.